This AutoConverse podcast is brought to you in part by Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you can get help finding the best car for you and your family, communicate with dealers, list your vehicle for sale, and get a free vehicle market report, all while protecting your privacy with our free Shopper's Shield. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash askauto. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash askauto, O-T-T-O. And thank you. Skywatch AI is an insurtech startup transforming the way traditional insurance models work today for the aviation and drone industries. Since joining Startup Growth Lab, our user base has increased by over 60%. We now serve drone operators from multiple industries, including agriculture, real estate, construction, oil and gas, cinematographers, you name it. As a growing startup and sales picking up, we really felt like Growth Lab can help take us to the next level in terms of user experience, brand communication, online marketing, and the whole customer journey end-to-end. The Startup Growth Lab workshops really helped us gain constructive criticism and reinsurance and eventually helped us to execute the vision. As of July, we officially launched the platform with all new improvements. As an entrepreneur, I recommend each and every startup to go and apply for the Startup Growth Lab program. That was Ori Blumenthal, co-founder and CTO of Voom, a full-stack digital insurance company for new mobility, talking with me recently about, well, you guessed it, insurance for new mobility. You know, things like drones or anything you can fly or ride. Yes, Voom is into motorcycle and recreational vehicle insurance too. You might not think this would be an energetic subject, and it isn't really, but it does have its fascinations. I mean, come on, we are talking about drones here. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Glad to be here with you. Now, as you heard me say, coming up later in the program will be parts of my interview with Ori Blumenthal. He's founder, uh, co-founder and CTO of Voom, which covers third-party liability, property, and personal accidents for whatever duration of time users ride, drive, or fly. Its telematics-based platform enables on-demand flexible insurance policies for e-scooters, motorcycles, drones, small planes, and various motor vehicles. But before we get into today's interview, how about some industry headlines? Hyundai is said to invest $100 million in battery startup Solid Energy. Solid Energy Systems, spun off from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in 2012, GM is among its shareholders. Hyundai currently sources its batteries for its EVs from SK Innovation Company and LGM Chem, LG Chem Limited's wholly owned LG Energy solution. 
In March, GM announced a partnership with Solid Energy Systems to boost its battery development, allowing for increased EV driving range in a smaller package. You can actually head on over to autoconverse.com and look for my article titled Batteries, Not Engines, Lead Auto Tech Now, where we provide a breakdown of the three competing EV battery technologies, which include lithium-ion batteries, which became commercially available in the 70s and quickly became the standard. Then were lithium metal batteries, also in the 70s, but they were not rechargeable. That problem was solved uh, in the solid-state lithium battery, which is where solid energy systems would come into play. And finally, we talk about lithium ferrophosphate batteries, or LFP, which were developed in the 90s and quickly became famous after Elon Musk used them in some Tesla model. So again, head on over to autoconverse.com and look for our recent article, Batteries, Not Engines, Lead Autotech Now, uh, to get a good breakdown of these technologies. Also in automotive, the European Union has fined BMW and Volkswagen $1 billion for limiting emissions reduction technology. The companies allegedly refused to compete on diesel cleaning technology. BMW, Daimler, and VW reached a deal on AdBlue tank sizes, ranges, and average consumption, and even shared quote-unquote sensitive technical details with each other. This is according to the commission. And this reportedly halted competition and stopped the trio from realizing the full potential of their emissions-reducing technology. I'm going to point out that Volkswagen, just a few years ago, dealt with an emissions testing scandal as well. I'll give you my analysis on this. One thing, and this is why we talk about EVs, electric vehicles, and EV battery technology, because those are driving cars now, not engines. We have all this push for EV, for electric, for all electric vehicles. Meanwhile, emissions on combustion engine, internal combustion engine vehicles, ICEs, has gone down about as far as technology can take it. Now, you could say we can always do more, but the fact of the matter is, while we're pushing to get EVs out the door, and that's not going to change, uh, combustion engine vehicles are not the, the greatest pollutants. The, the biggest cause in the environment with car manufacturing at this point is the resources it takes to build cars and manufacturing and shipping them, transporting them, the logistics of it. And that's not going to change with electric vehicles. So are we wiping the slate clean? Hmm, I guess I'll leave that for each of us to know. Other exciting news, Audi expands traffic light connectivity. In-car monitoring of traffic lights is now expanding in North America and Europe using technology claimed as an Audi first. Audi claims to have been first with in-vehicle technology called TLI, which communicates between vehicles and traffic signals to provide green light optimized speed advisories and can help drivers minimize stop and go driving. TLI is now available at 22,000 intersections and 20 major metros and 60 cities and regions across the U.S. Audi also claims the first in-vehicle LTE Wi-Fi hotspot and integrated toll module and plans more such as cellular vehicle to everything. Here's some exciting news. Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, has launched into space on Blue Origin's first astronaut flight. The billionaire founder of the space company Blue Origin launched into suborbital space with three other people on July 20th. The first crewed mission of the company's new Shepard vehicle. Now, you might recall Richard Branson also recently reached the edges of the Earth's atmosphere into outer space. So now we've got two uber-goober billionaire gajillionaires with their, uh, 
with their space toys going into outer space. So what's going on here? Slightly different technologies and approaches, but ultimately the same thing. They're, they're, they've both been able to get across that 50-mile uh, threshold. That's, that's the international boundary, if you will, of where scientists agree that, that you've, re, you've, you've uh, left the Earth's atmosphere and you are now into outer space. Uh, to experience a level of weightlessness while in flight. So what's going on here is both companies are really in a race competing for uh, bringing tourists into outer space for, at this stage, weightless flight visits. So pretty exciting day and age, I got to say. And this will clearly be something that we continue to keep an eye on. And speaking of high altitudes, the U.S. government can now use high-altitude balloons to provide Internet to Cubans. Uh, you might recall that there's go- there's uh, plenty of unrest going on right now in Cuba with the communist regime there. And the U.S. government can now utilize high-altitude balloons. The advantage of a high-altitude balloon, a proven tech that would not require new infrastructure in Cuba. This is according to Brenda Carr, uh, who wrote on Twitter. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, called on President Joe Biden to restore an Internet connection to the island after the ruling regime moved to shut it off. He says, I write to urge you to assist in providing Internet access to the people of Cuba standing up against communist oppression and demanding a voice after decades of suffering under the yoke of cruel dictatorship. This is DeSantis's letter uh, to Biden. So pretty fascinating. We just want to report on it because, hey, we're providing Internet access through hot air balloons. Now, this isn't the first time that we've been able to do this. The FCC previously voted to give authorization to a similar project run by a company named Raven following a hurricane that affected Puerto Rico. Uh, We also saw the technology operating in rural portions of Kenya. You know, and now I'm going to move on to one final piece of news, which uh, I think is uh, relevant to the times and important to consider. Uh, Facebook has joined Google in uh, vaccine mandates for for COVID-19. Both are requiring workers at U.S. campuses to be vaccinated. Facebook's announcement came just hours after Google's, just a few days ago. Uh, It's meant to give 135,000 workers greater, this is quote-unquote, greater peace of mind as offices open. And on its heels, Walmart and Disney are now issuing vax mandates. So why do I bring this up? This is the show, the podcast on mobility tech and connectivity, how we're connected and the way we get around. And all this going on in the world with vaccine mandates has a lot to do with how we're connected and the way we get around. And here's something I'll pose a question for you. If the vaccines are so effective and so necessary, why do they need to be mandated? Why do they need to be required? This is my question to you, and I ask you to think about that. We are entering into an authoritarian time. We are clearly headed into that. And now we all have to be careful of what we think and what we say. And I'm not sure that I'm a big fan of that. So uh, stay tuned here for more. We're going to keep up with this. Uh, and let me know your thoughts. Let me know your comments. This is a great discussion point. In fact, we might even uh, bring back the debate series that we had on our live show. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then come right back. And you have me and Ori Blumenthal talking about usage-based insurance or UBI for new mobility vehicles and vessels. We'll be right back. Today's episode was brought to you in part by Acorns, Grow Your Oak. Acorns helps you grow your money. 
In under five minutes, get investment accounts for you and your family, plus retirement, checking, ways to earn more money, and grow your knowledge. Just $1, $3, or $5 a month. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com acorns. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash acorns. From acorns, mighty oaks do grow. That's a pretty cool video there. Did you who made that for you? Did you guys do that in house, or do you have an agency do that? No, actually, uh, first of all, hi Ryan, great Hello. to be here. Great to have you. <laughs> uh, it was a part of the Google uh, Growth Lab, so okay. they arranged a production. It was pretty cool, pretty nice. It was pretty hot that day, yeah. Uh, so I had to take some breaks with the fan, but it was outdoors. But Where was the place. location of the of the video shoot? A very nice park in Tel Aviv, Israel. Okay. And that's where you are, right? Yes. I'm based okay. right outside of Tel Aviv in Israel. And we should give our audience a heads up that uh, you're in an unprecedented and unprecedented uh, situation right now in Tel Aviv. Um, and if we start hearing sirens, then you will have to exit and uh, find shelter and safety, correct? That is correct. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. And as I said to you before, usually stuff look uh, worse on the news than they really are. But as you said, unprecedented times. Uh, hope all is well and everybody will be safe and, you know, have a peaceful evening. Yes. Yeah, so we have our fingers crossed and we definitely do wish that. But um, as, as we discussed, if, if Ori has to go, uh, you know, um, immediately, then, then that's what he needs to do. And then, uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do on our end. So great to have you here. So, uh, what were you, what were you showing us with the drones? Cause you're an insure tech company and I don't think people think of insurance when they see drones. So tell us what's going on, uh, with, uh, Google, uh, I call it smart labs, but it's, it's not smart labs. It's Google growth lab. Growth lab. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So what's going on there? Basically, we're a full-stack digital um, insure tech company. Uh, we specialize in the mobility segments, basically building uh, and distributing new uh, insurance products for those industries. Um, specifically, uh, as you've mentioned, usage-based uh, insurance that relies on data and telematics and connectivity, um, specifically for high-risk episodic uh, usage that could be drones motorcycles e-scooters e-bikes light aircraft you name it and as i said under the umbrella of voom we have also skywatch ai we're today we're the leading um drone insurance uh provider in north america uh after a lot of hard work uh and plenty of uh, happy customers uh what's interesting is that all those new mobility segments such as drone for example that weren't really available a couple of years ago or a few years ago um and then you started to see okay uh, we have this usage we need to insure it how do we do that and surprisingly enough uh the people that uh, insure satellites in jumbo jets those are the same folks that insure drones it's under aviation right so <laughs> enters Skywatch and basically uh, trying to bridge that gap uh, yeah, due to insurance companies 
move a bit slow. Uh, so we as an insure tech try to bridge that gap and provide flexible coverages, on-demand coverages, and basically stuff that you know the people flying the drones or whatever really need. And I did mean to ask a minute ago, is, is where is Voom providing insurance? Because you're based in Israel, but are you providing your insurance just in the U.S.? Or can you where 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 are you where is this available? Our focus market is the U.S. We're licensed as an insurance producer in all 50 states and also several provinces in Canada. Um, so that's definitely the, the target market. We also have some partnerships with other carriers uh, globally. Okay. And as you've pointed out, you're not focused on the red ocean of personal auto. You're more into, like you saw, I saw on the homepage, motorcycles. You were showing drones. So do you are you required to have some insurance to fly a drone just as a as a private citizen? So that's a great question. So first of all, I'll definitely say that this is a very um, local question. Meaning, uh, the U.S. Uh, under the FAA regulations, you have certain rules and requirements. But if you go Europe, Israel, or anywhere else, you have different regulations. Answering your question regarding the U.S. market, the FAA does not require you to have insurance. Um, so if you're just flying with your kid at, uh, in the park, you don't uh, need to have insurance for your drone. But if you're flying commercially, meaning uh, in a construction site or, you know, um, serving um, cell phone towers or oil and gas um, infrastructure, then most likely you will be required, not by the FAA, but your client will require you to have insurance. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely uh, you want to be able to provide the liability insurance that is so important and also physical damage for your drone because that could be painful as well for some of the small businesses. Yeah, I mean, the drones itself, you know, are relatively inexpensive. I mean, you get some really nice ones in, in the thousands, but it's more the damage to property, that liability that has to be covered at the, at the commercial level. Exactly. Though, you know, we see drones uh, with the payloads and some of the expensive LIDARs, it might get to, uh, you know, even uh, a commercial, commercially great DJI could, could surpass that 10000 or $15,000 easily. I always remember, and I don't remember what year, but I, I, I would say it was close to 10 years ago. And the idea of drones was still relatively unfamiliar to most of us at the time. And I think when I recall at the time when we thought of drones, we thought of like missile striking surveillance drones in the military. That's what we thought. And I remember reading a report and uh, uh, the author, he gave a number that by 2020, you know, the number of drones per, in the in the air per like square mile or square hundred miles. I mean, it was like an astro astronomical number. And at the time I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just imagining all these drones flying around. You see drones flying around for sure. I mean, sometimes you hear this buzz and you're looking around and it's, you know, two, three hundred feet up in the air. You're like, that's a nice drone. Um, but how many drones are out there? Do you even like commercially i mean what are we talking about what kind of volume are we looking at right now in the just on the commercial front so i think we're looking at um if you want to look at the number of certified 
what's called Part 107. It's basically the regulation by the FAA to be a licensed uh, pilot so you can operate commercially. You have to have this Part 107 license. So if we're looking at those numbers, we're talking about anywhere between, and it's hard to say how many of those are active, but anywhere between 100K to 300K, and it's rising all the time, obviously. Um, and I know it's a big range, but <laughs> it's hard to kind of uh, analyze that. In are you case, uh, are you speaking at that number uh, uh, internationally or specific US. to the U.S.? U.S. So yeah. you think there could be minimally 100,000, but upwards to 300,000 drones that are ready to fly or in service right now in the U.S. commercially? Yeah, and, uh, but definitely the vision and what people want to happen um, everybody knows about Amazon Prime, Prime Air, sorry, right? Their mm -hmm. vision to deliver um, packages via drones. Um, Google Wing has a project uh, of that sort. Flytrack's a great company. Uh, big shout out from Israel uh, that is already uh, doing some proof of concept in the US. And I think that eventually that will have a great impact. Now, in addition to that, there is still a big hurdle. Uh, you've mentioned EVs, right? So it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious that drones are are electric, right? Uh, we're, we're, for you know when you talk about drones, it's it's clear, right? They're electric. Mm -hmm. Vehicles, all of a sudden, it's not. And the main issue is is you know the energy and the, and the flight time. So once flight time will be improved, you'll have much more of available applications that you can do with drones. Um, okay, you're what you're saying is flight time, meaning the limited amount of time that a drone can be in flight. I mean, I, I know consumer grade drones; they might last like ten minutes. Commercial grade, how long? How long are, are some of the best drones able to, you know, to 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 be to be powered? You're talking an hour. An hour is, is a is a far stretch. Again, if we're talking about um, multi copter and not like a fixed wing drone. There are great fixed-wing drones as well, but the most common use cases are with the multi-copter, multi-rotor. Uh, if you're talking about those, then you get some drones that can last for 25, 30 minutes, uh, but the payload, if needed, is minimal, if at all. So once you're talking about drones that can carry uh, significant stuff, you're around the time you've mentioned. 10, even seven minutes of flight. So that's a problem. That's a problem. And uh, hopefully it will get better and better. But. Sure. And it, and it will. Uh, let me do a quick reset, folks. Uh, you're tuned into the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. I'm Ryan Girardi, and I'm talking here with Ori Blumenthal. He's the CTO and co-founder of Voom Insurance. And what we're talking about is how his company's providing usage-based insurance uh, is keeping pace with new mobility. So you're hearing us talk about uh, the need to ensure drones that are being used for commercial purposes. The question that came in, Ori, and we hear this a lot. <clears throat> gosh, I got a lot of scratchy throat. We hear a lot with, with AI um, that our biases within society, racial biases and gender biases and, and whatever biases – tend to get carried on uh, in, in artificial intelligence. 
So, and I think that's the premise of one question that came in suggesting that usage-based insurance is racist. How do you respond to that? Does that come up? Well, I have to say that it doesn't come up too much. I do hear this, you know, coming up from time to time. I would say a few things. First of all, um, insure, insurers or regulators, basically, they do a lot to make sure that all insurance policies and products are non-discriminatory um, in, in all means possible. So I think that uh, sometimes we like to hate the regulator, right? But I really think that in, in those terms, it tries really to protect the individual and the policyholder. Um, so that's um, the one thing. I will say that even with without AI, even within insurance today, you know, you could claim some of those things, whether that's based on zip code or credit scores or other mechanisms that are used today. Uh, so we need to keep that in mind. But um, if you look at data data-driven uh, stuff, data-driven insurance, not only usage-based necessarily, but the, the way you drive or um, all the data that we can collect, it has nothing to do with uh, with racial parameters. If you fly safe, you're safe, right? Uh, so that's basically the opposite of of this claim. But I do agree that an un um, how would I say it? We need to use AI smartly, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want the machines and the robots to take over our world. So, you um, know, I'll. I will address that. And I, I don't know how to address it, <clears throat> excuse me, with usage-based insurance. But from what I understand with artificial intelligence, and we have to recognize is when a machine is, is making a decision, it's making that decision based on massive amounts of data. That's what it's making the decision on. And when you, when you look at things like financing, say financing for a home or for a car, the the ai uh technologies have only data to work with it doesn't they don't see color they don't see any any biases but the data over time has some patterns and trends that might be uh might be undetectable as as humans right but the outcome is that the, that the computer the ai computer is making decisions based off of the trends and the likeliness of other decisions being made that could have bias in them. So when I, when I see a question like this, that UBI is racist, you know, my immediate thought is no, it's not, it, it can't be because <laughs> that's not how it works, but there could be data that might, um, that might put some insurees uh, at a disadvantage. Uh, so you say you have a question for me, right? Yeah, actually. So um, following the news that you you, you shared, uh, and I saw all the EV stuff, and I, I'm really excited about EVs. Uh, I'm almost ashamed to say that I don't have an EV currently, <laughs> uh, but I definitely want my next one to be. Having said that, I'm reluctant. I'm kind of, you know, where will I charge? How far can I go? How will I do that? So maybe I'll go hybrid, but you know, it kind of feels like, I don't know. What's your take on that? When will I be 
100% confident. I can just buy an EV and it'll, it'll all be okay. Well, are you, do you feel that way now with an, with an ICE, with a combustion engine vehicle? You feel 100% confident in what you're buying? Well, pretty much. I know I'll get from point A to point B pretty much. Surely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I actually appreciate the question. So first off, let me thank you for being here because we'll, I think we'll wrap up after this. I mean, um, UBI, uh, it, you know, that's your business and, and you have a passion area for you. Um, but we've been talking about it for 20 minutes. So, and I think we got some good info out of that. So thank you for being here um, and doing so that. Having me. Um, and thank you to Josh Warrett for also setting this up as well. Josh is backstage and I see Chuck Parker backstage as well. Chuck, if you have any questions, feel free to, to send them over. I would love to talk about um, EVs. And, and what I'll do is I'll actually, I actually have this queued up. This is not staged. I just happened to say maybe I will need this article at some point in, uh, in the conversation. So I just released an article on Ward's Auto uh, about the what blockchain and electric vehicles have in common, and what do they have in common is their is their consumption of energy. Uh, I I think to answer your question, you know, when are when are you going to be one hundred percent confident, or the time is right for you? <clears throat> Obviously, that's a personal thing. Um, a car, a car in the U.S. today full tank, no matter what size it is, is going to get between 200 and 400 miles. That's a, that's a, that's a range that's hundred percent, right? 400 is hundred percent higher than 200. So that's a big range right there. EVs get about the same too. You can get 200, 300 miles off an EV, but the difference is, is the recharging and the refueling. That's the difference. Um, and I, and you know, I just reported like, uh, GM is partnering with EVgo and they're hoping to have five or 600 stations throughout the U S over the next couple of years. Right. So obviously the faster you can recharge your car, then that, I think that's one area that's going to, that's going to close that gap. That's one area is the faster you can charge your car. Cause the range, I don't think is the issue. It's the, it's the ability to recharge quickly and, uh, and and within proximity spot on i just drove out west and i was in wyoming and i had about a 150 mile drive through pretty much nowhere and i had i think three quarters of a tank of gas i felt pretty confident that i had enough gas to get through well as it turned out i only had about five or six miles left in the tank when i got to a gas station it was cutting it very close so it does come down to knowing your car, knowing where you are, and then planning around that. Maybe your peace of mind will come when EVs come with a backup battery, right? Maybe you have two batteries, but that jacks up the price. So <clears throat> so I, I, I guess to answer your question is, at some point, ICEs are going to be gone, and that seems to be around 2040 to 2050 that they're going to be just off the roads. The automakers are st going to stop making them around 2030, 2035. And I think by that time, we're talking about 10 years from now, by that time, we will have crossed the chasm. If you ever use that term, crossing the chasm, I think by that time we'll have crossed the chasm and you won't be asking that question anymore by the time we get to 2030. Because as you see, we have charging stations, the technologies are going to be out there. Um, so that's just a matter of time. 
and obviously where you live and where you're driving. If you live in the in uh, a, a very remote area like where I was in um, Wyoming, right? If you live out there, then you're going to be later to adopt, but mainly because of the ability to recharge and refuel. Um, so hopefully that's a good response for you because um, it is, it's totally personal, right? It's what your preferences are, what your comfort zones are. Um, but the whole EV push is pretty fascinating. And, and I appreciate you catching on that. You know, we've been, <clears throat> we've been really aggressively trying to keep up with all the developments going on around that technology. All right. Well, Ori Blumenthal, everybody from Voom, uh, providing uh, usage-based insurance for new mobility. Ori, thank you so much for being here, and I'm glad we were able to get through the whole interview. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Autoconverse podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember to text the keyword Autoconverse to 855-766-7585. Why would you want to do that? Well, for starters, we will send you a link to automatically subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can be notified uh, every time we upload a video and go live on the show. This podcast is produced as a result of our Mobility Tech and Connectivity show, which I'm actually excited to say we are moving the show to only once a month. And we're doing that because we're committed to getting out weekly podcast, ep weekly episodes of the podcast here. Uh, we've been doing the show uh, bi-weekly, and prior to that, we were doing it every week. And the problem is we had too much content to produce for the podcast. It was taking us months to get it out the door. So I figured, why don't we do fewer shows and more podcasts? So that's what we're going to do. I'm committed to getting you this podcast on a weekly basis. We're targeting for Mondays. That's the day we're shooting for and uh, we'll do our best to make that, get that out to you. But if you like what we do, uh, you'll like the show even more. It's a whole different experience. So again, text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585. And since you like what we do, please tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell three friends. It'll help spread the word. You can also go up to Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Positive, negative, or neutral, we want to know. And again, head on over to autoconverse.com. Get yourself subscribed to the site. We've got so much new stuff coming out. In fact, we're going to start making our Slack member network available. Think of autoconverse.com as not just a website for the podcast, but an online publication. But you'll actually need access to our Slack network to access the bulk of this information. The news items you hear in the show is about, I'd say, 20% of the news items uh, that we keep track of on the site. So again, head on over to autoconverse.com and get yourself subscribed. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. This is Autoburst Media.